witness, bear witness to the greatest podcast ever created, the smelling sock, starring Mr. Moonshine. Yeah, yeah, get the smelling song. Fimo. I'ma knock him out, get the smelling song. Loma. I'ma knock him out, get the smelling song. Canella. Hook white crowds, smelling song. Pacquiao. Yeah, yeah, get the smelling song. Charlo. I'ma knock him out, get the smelling song. Spence. I'ma knock him out, get the smelling song. Bud. I'ma knock him out, get the smelling song. Fury. Yeah, yeah, get the smelling song. Wilder. Yeah, yeah, get the smelling song. AJ. Yeah, yeah, get this money song. I'ma knock him out, get this money song. How you doing? Oh, damn time. <laughs> What's going on? I'm doing well, I'm doing well, man. The prestige trainer. Work with a lot of amateurs. Got a great YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Coach Anthony. Y'all already know. Um, work with Tevin Farmer, the likes of Tevin Farmer. Been to the tutelage of Jeff Mayweather as well, and a bunch of Great minds in the sport of boxing. What's new? Chilling, man. Just you know, staying busy with this uh, with the internet training. I've been pretty busy with that. You know, I got a couple of fighters that I work with. You know what I mean? So I've been working with Tevin, and I've been working with a couple of other people. And that's it, man. Just trying to maintain and weather this storm that we're dealing with right now. You know what I mean? How was how was business when you know, especially when the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, the pandemic hit? How was how did it affect your 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 business? Oh, it affected me big time because, well, you know, I had to close my gym, actually. But mm-hmm. I was actually in the process of just moving locations. So I had a gym that I had for, for, for quite some time. And then I went ahead and uh, we were just going to go ahead and move from one location to the other. So the timing was kind of perfect in a sense, but, you know, because I was already in the process of getting everything out of there. But then the COVID hit. So mm-hmm. I couldn't really go ahead and reopen at the location that I thought I was going to reopen at. Oh. So now basically my whole gym's in storage and I'm just bouncing around working out of different spots for now because I don't really want to commit to anything just yet because I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? I'm starting to see now like places that was open like Korea and Canada and them kind of places, they're starting to reclose and they mm-hmm. were open. they were open way before us. And then close way before us. And, you know, and, and so I'm saying to myself, what's the chances of us getting shut down in the next 30 days or something like that? So I'm not really trying to, you know, put myself in that position right now. Nah, it's true. It's true. They were talking about, they're talking about if it's like this for the next seven days, I think in New York, if it's like this for the next six days, that there's going to be certain things going to shut down again. See what I'm saying? This is crazy, man. So it's like being a gym owner right now. It's one of the roughest things, in my opinion. You know, owning a gym right now is rough because you just have no certainty of what the future holds and having all that overhead. It's like, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they suing. A lot of people, a lot of gym owners are suing the, the, the state. So I feel you, man. Yeah. So oh, what what's what's so so how you started? How you started, man? Cause it's cause it's usually like fighters turn into trainers, or you know, they was fighting in the amateur or they was professional, but they didn't have a great professional career, decent career, and they turn into trainers. How it started off for you? It started off similar. Um, I was an amateur boxer, you know what I mean? And uh I always loved boxing, but I started boxing and I had my first amateur fight around 16 years old. And um you know, I did some stuff as an amateur. I was never anything prestigious as an amateur, like a national Golden Glove champion or nothing like that. But I have my amateur experience, and I also comp- I also sparred a lot of professional boxers along the way. 
So I got a lot of experience just as a whole, just being around boxing, fighting myself a little bit. And what ended up happening was I always had a, a, a niche for teaching. It was to the point where when I would be training it for myself, when I was actually boxing, um, I stopped what I was doing if I saw somebody doing something wrong to the point where the trainer would be like, yo, 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 you get on the bag, let me do my job. And I'd be like, all right, all right, my bad or whatever. So, you know what I'm saying? I always just liked helping people and correcting them and teaching what I know. And uh, it was just a natural thing. So then what ended up happening was um, I moved back to New Jersey because I'm from New York City, grew up in Queens. Then I moved down to Florida. I lived in Florida for a minute. And then mm-hmm. when when uh, I decided to move back to New Jersey is when I decided to open up a boxing gym. And when I opened up the gym, my goal wasn't to be a trainer. My goal was to just open up the gym and put other trainers to work you know what I mean? And just be like this business owner and, you know, make yeah. money. I always had a get money mentality. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so I thought that's how it was going to go. But then I found out real quick that the gym business ain't just go in there, put people to work, get money. I realized it was a real grind. So in order for me to stop, uh, you know, in order for it's dark, my side looks dark, right? Uh, um, yeah, it's a little dark. It's a little dark. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was noticing that. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say, man? Uh, oh, so I realized to save, to save money, I decided that uh, I decided that um, I'm going to start coaching people myself. You know what I mean? Instead of hiring a trainer. And, you know, it just turned into one of those things where I was just doing my thing. And then since I'm in the Philadelphia area, my name started buzzing in the area. Like uh, uh, certain pro fighters saw my mint work on the internet. That would post a lot of mint work. You know what I'm saying? Like the flashy Mayweather style mint work. And a lot of these fighters liked it at that time. Cause this was back in like 2012. And that mint work was just starting to get like popping. Yeah, for yeah, a regular yeah. guy to do. Anybody who wasn't fl- Roger Mayweather doing it was kind of like, oh snap, you know how to do that? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was doing it, and people were like, yo, like, this new guy out here, Coach Ant, yo, he's nice with the mitts. And um, that's how it really started. So I went from working with lower-level pros, and then it turned into Hank Lundy and, and different guys like that. And then next thing you know, one thing just led to another. That's basically how it all started. Yeah, because uh, I, 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 I understand what you're saying about money. I, I probably you also changed when you figured that you could change lives at the same time. Oh, yeah, when that- well, well, that, that's what happened later, right? So I go into it with a get money mentality because I'm a businessman, right? Then it yeah. turns into something different. It becomes like, you know, you start seeing the progression, especially like working with the kids, right? So I start working with these young kids, seven years old. Next thing you know, they're still in the gym two years later. And now we're fighting and we're, we're winning competitions and we're traveling and we're doing all this stuff. And then, or, or I take a kid, you know, my, the neighborhood that I was training people in uh, here in New Jersey, um, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, I think it's not like the inner city, right? I'm in a part of New Jersey that's a little suburban. I think, you know, kids that don't come from the toughest backgrounds, they're a little bit nervous or a little bit passive, aggressive, you know, they're like, they're scared. And then yeah. I go and I give them this confidence now. Now they're moving around, they're confident, and they're not scared to go to the cities now because they feel like they know how to defend themselves and they understand, you know, the mentality like that. So just taking guys that, you know, have low self-esteem or females who have low self-esteem, 
um, older people who think that they're too old to do this. You know, you got a lot of people who are in the you know, 40s and stuff that kind of be like, yeah, I know I'm too old. Or even you, I hear it from, from, from people 25 years old. Man, I'm old, man. I can't do this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, oh, you're 25, man. Get in there, man. Let's get to work. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it changes their mindset on everything. And, and you know, it, boxing's deeper than world championships. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I just think that a lot of people, when they look at boxing, everything is a world championship, world championship. But the boxing life could be for anybody. You know what I mean? It could be for anybody, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, tell, tell, uh, I want you to tell the people, because I feel like the, the trainers are the first ones to get the blame if their fighters lose. But they don't they don't know how the what's the sacrifice of a trainer, like with multiple fighters as well. You, you taking just like they taking time away from their family when they go to camp. A fighter could take their break, you know, but you that might be working with multiple fighters, you're not taking any break. You're still making that type of sacrifice. You're probably the first one in the gym, the one out and, and the last one out. What what is the sacrifice that it takes to be a, a, a trainer and a world class trainer at the, at that? Oh, man, there's so much sacrifice, man, because you see, this is the problem with the, the fighters and the trainers. The biggest issue for a trainer, and, and not to talk about money, but it's the financial situation for a lot of trainers. A lot of boxing coaches, you know, they got family too, right? Got children, got families. You know what I mean? They want to they wanna be able to provide. And when you're working with the amateur boxes, especially, there's no money in it. Even if a kid comes in and he's paying you $100 a month, $150 a month, and that's a lot of money to him. Like, yo, you know, I'm paying you $150 a month, coach. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You're paying me $150 a month. But when you consider the traveling we do for sparring, when you consider the traveling we got to do for competition, when you consider how many hours I'm coaching you throughout the day, I might be coaching you two hours, two, three, two, three hours. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm going out my way to find you sparring and all that stuff. It's a lot of time. So the, sac the biggest sacrifice a coach has to decipher is, can I still survive trying to help this kid? Mm -hmm. But the kid only looks at it as, what you going to do for me? Like I'm, I'm, I'm working hard. Don't I deserve it? And it's like I understand you deserve it, but I gotta make a living. You see what I'm saying? So trainers run into this problem. If you talk to a hundred trainers and tell them what's the biggest issue they're dealing with, is the money situation. Same thing with the professionals, right? So for instance, if you get a pro and he doesn't make money for 15 pro fights, mm. I've been coaching you for 15 pro fights, getting 10 percent. 10% of what? You made $800. I've been trading you for 90, 90 days. What am I getting? Eight, you know, $80? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. you feel what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it's it really always comes back down to the financial sacrifice that a trainer has to do because it's like, I'm putting in hours and hours and hours and hours and the return is very small unless you get lucky and you get like a, a big name fighter. You know what I'm saying? And, um, that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part for a trainer, I believe, in the sacrifice and trainer. Plus, you put in all these hours, and then the next thing you know, the kid says, yo, I'm going to go train with so-and-so down the street. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go hire Freddie Roach now because I think he could take me to the next level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know what? I don't want to box no more. I want to be a doctor. It's like, dog, like, oh, why? You want to be a doctor? Oh, I don't want to be a rapper now. I don't want to box no more. And I just spent four or five years with you, so... There's so many sacrifices that a trainer, and then and then and then it's just like damn. So so then what happens is you do that for a certain amount of years, and then you start looking at fighters like 
do I trust him? Do I believe he's really going to go through with this? Is he going to stick with me? And it, it yeah. creates that trauma for a trainer. When trainers are standoffish, like, you know what? I don't even want to work with nobody no more. You know what I mean? It gets crazy, bro. Yo, it's, it's it, it, like the Andy Ruiz situation. He put him, right. yo, get, get that chip. He got all these belts. And then after that, it's like, that's it. He, he lets go of the trainer. I'm like, damn, right. I've been through it all. What happened with Triple G and his trainer? I mean, I don't know the whole story, but it seems like that. What happened with Danny Jacobs and his trainer? I don't know the whole story, but you see what I'm saying? So, and you got guys like that who've had these kids since they were eight years old. Um, that you know, Danny Jacobs trainer had him since he was a kid. I don't know his situation, I don't want to talk on it, but at the end of the day, it's situations like that that a trainer would be like, damn, you know, like I sacrificed, I didn't make no money, I traveled with you, I did this from the goodness of my heart because I want to see you win. You promised me that when you get to that championship level, you were gonna take care of me, and now you want to dump me, man. Like, so that's that's kind of the, that's kind of where it's at. So, yeah, of course, this is an every situation, but it happens, and it makes trainers say to themselves, "I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth the commitment." You know what I mean? Yeah, man, I feel you. I feel you. Remember, I asked you this question on 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 your IG, and yo, everybody follow follow Coach Anthony on his IG. Um, I asked you what. Should who should run the training camp, the trainer or the fighter? Because it seems like when the fighters get to a point, then the people around them becomes yes man. You know, then they start. They the one that start. It looks. It seems like from the outside looking in, they the one that's running their training camp when they get to the to the to some type to, to the higher level. Who should be running the training camp, the trainer or the fighter? Oh yeah, there's no doubt. We, when you ask me that on the question, is a great question because, like you said, when you get to a certain point, egos get involved. You know what I'm saying? These fighters get really ego because they got people around them. You know what I'm saying? They got their girlfriends, they got their homies who don't know anything about boxing. They got all these people saying like, "Yo, man, like, yo, man." You know what I mean? So now you start thinking like, "Yo, I did this by myself, man." I'm the one who went in the ring. I'm the one who took them punches. I'm the one who did this and did that. But it's like, hold on. Yes, you are. And you deserve all the credit for that. But how much did you know when you first came to me? How much did you actually learn when you came to me? When you say, if I had you from the beginning, if I taught, if I taught you from the beginning, the jab, the cross and the hook, and now we're fighting for a world championship, and now you're questioning me, that's a big problem. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, man, that's because you did all the work, bro. I taught you everything you know. So now all of a sudden you big, you don't wanna, you don't wanna listen to me now because you think that you know more than me because you've been in the ring, dog. I've guided you. And then, but then you and then you got uh some some fighters, they just they lose, and after they lose, they don't wanna feel that blow to their ego no more so now they switch things up they start telling their trainers who they're going to spar because they don't want to get their ass beat and sparring they start sparring easy work they start doing things to make their ego because they can't handle that blow to their ego and then the yeah. trainer back to money i hate a well, lot i don't know why money keeps coming up in this country <laughs> these trainers ain't making enough bread so they can't talk up because if they go ahead and talk up, all of a sudden they get fired and now they fight and they don't got their cash cow no more. So what do they do? They stay quiet. They let the train, the fighter act how they want to act. And now they fighters go out there and get knocked out again. And then next thing you know, they out, they all out of a job now. You see what I'm saying? Because I mean, yeah, it does mess up the portfolio, right? It ruins everything because the fighter now 
doesn't have any uh, the fighter now is getting his ass beat so now he don't look good he can't fight no more the trainers look bad because the trainers are the ones training the fighter who got his ass beat so now nobody else want to train with the trainers you feel what i'm yeah. saying the fighter gonna blame the trainer and the trainer gonna blame the fighter and it's just gonna look ugly so um that's the biggest problem so i just think that if you're a fighter get with a team get with a coach who you trust so you don't have to question if you want to listen to him anymore, if you don't, you know what I'm saying? If you don't want to listen to him anymore, if you don't want to do that stuff, you feel me? Yo, I got to ask you, I want to do these podcasts too. How is your lighting so good? And my lighting look like this though, like. Uh, <laughs> Yo, is this lighting to be over there, bro? You got a nice setup over there. Let me see if I could turn it. I can't turn it around. Let me see better. Is the ring, is the ring light? I got, well, I got a ring. I got one of those. Should I go get it? Yeah, I see yeah, you yeah it's good. No, yeah. I got. I got it's, it's the bigger one. It's the bigger. It's the bigger one. Yeah, I yeah, got one man. I, yeah, man. Get that. Get that. Like I use it in my backyard too. My wife, she be working out, and we be filming videos for her. For her. Um, you put it right in front of you. Yeah, it's right in front of me. Oh, okay. All right. I got one in the other room, man. I just, I just need to make sure I use it next time. Yeah, yeah, use it, yo. It's good, it's good, and yeah. it, it could go light. It could go lighter. I got it real low right now. Right, 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 right. I got it real light. Yeah, get that, get that. Um, okay. I was, I was gonna um, I'm being asked you because okay, we're looking at it from the trainer standpoint, but what about the fighter standpoint? What about if the fighter if they feel like the tr the trainer took them up to a, a point where they just can't learn? They want to learn something else, but the trainer is not. That's it. Like they hit, they hit what you call it. A plateau, whatever they just hit the the ceiling with the trainer, or it has to be a communication thing where you know what I don't feel like I'm growing, but can you implement this, or would a trainer bring another trainer to help them out? Because it looks like nowadays that's what that's what they doing nowadays. Like a lot of collaboration. Barry Hunter, Kevin Cunningham, um, was working with, or, or let's say like Kenny Porter and, and Barry Hunter working with Porter. And I think like like trainers are collaborating now. You think that's a good idea? It can be, and it, it can be. It just depends if the trainers can work together. Um, uh, I think that, yes, once a trainer starts, once a fighter feels that he is plateauing, it, it, it is in his best interest to seek out a new trainer. Now, if you want to stick to a loyalty thing, then yes, you can, you can bring up bringing in somebody new. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. I definitely believe, though, if a trainer has been doing you right by at least by the measures that he feels he's doing you right. You know what I mean? He's trying. He's showing up to training. He's not missing sessions. He's he's training you. He's giving you information. He's doing everything he, he could in his knowledge. He deserves the respect of you saying, look, man, I feel like I'm not growing. I feel like that we need to implement some new things. Or I feel that I'm either going to have to, you know what I'm saying, seek out somebody with more experience or I'm going to have to bring in somebody to help you and maybe you can learn from him. That is how you do business. That is how you do things. So I am totally for that. Now, the trainer, who's the original trainer, has to be man enough to say, I agree with you. No problem. Let's see who we could bring in that's going to be a right fit for our team. Or he has to just accept the fact that he's being replaced. But if the fighter does it with with integrity, you can't be mad at the fighter because the fighter only has one career. And if he doesn't yeah. do right by his career, that one career, then that's all he got. Trainers can always get another fighter. You feel what I'm saying? 
So I just feel that there is definitely a, a fine line and a boundary there. And um, I just think that as long as there's communication, man, it's kind of like a female and a male relationship. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, uh, you know, breaking up with your girl without notice, you might, you might want to get <laughs> like, yo, yo, sweetheart, like, yo, get it together. You know what I mean? The same thing like versa, like. You can't just get up one day. You come out. You know, where, where's the where, where's all your clothes? Where's all your like? You just left me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's exactly yeah. what happened to a lot of these these fighters and trainers. These trainers calling their fighter. Yo, 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 yo. You're not picking up. Next thing you know, you look on Instagram. You're training with somebody else. You feel it's me? Like that. It's like that. Hopkins Richardson. Shout yeah, out to Richardson. God rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. But that hurts. That hurts to a trainer because you know it's a very intimate relationship with a fighter and a, and a, and a trainer. Very intimate. Oh, yo, Bill Haney. He just hit me. He said, "Yo, he's, um, he said, what's up, Bill Haney? Um, Devin Haney's um, pops just said, what's up right now?" Oh, tell Bill Haney. I said, "What up?" And I actually uh, hung out with him a couple of times uh, when uh, when Tevin Farmer uh, fought. Uh, you know, Devin Haney was there. And I actually hung out with Bill a couple of times, and Bill's a, a, a stand-up, solid dude, man. I got a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah, man. And, and, and it's also, I was going to say, I was going to piggyback on what you, what you were saying, because I had a conversation with Henry Garcia, Ryan Garcia's pops. And he said, you know, I, I, I could have easily just kept training my son, but I felt like I took him to a place, and then I'd rather have Eddie Reynoso than take him to a, to a higher place. And it's hard for a trainer father to do that. To just be like, hey, what Bill did? No, what Henry Garcia, um, Ryan oh. Garcia's pops. He said oh. that you know, I took my son to a point where I could take him, but now I needed to bring somebody in and Eddie Reynoso, um, to you know enhance the the the, the skill set, sharpen up the tools or whatever. So it takes a lot of it takes a lot of um, you know, that, that shows you that he has his fighter's best interest, but that's also his son. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? When it's your yeah. son, it's different because you know your son is gonna be your son till the de till death do y'all part, and it's not about the money when it's your son. You yeah. feel me? You want the best for your son. You want your son to be safe. You want your son to have the best tools. You want him to be as successful as he can be. But when you're doing trainers and fighters, it's always a little different because. Um, you know, the trainers get attached, but we also know that we don't have full control because we're not blood and stuff like that. You see what I'm saying? So it's, mm -hmm. I think I think for a father, it's a little bit easier for him to go ahead and say, look, but fathers also have a hard time with ego too because I've dealt yeah. with fathers. I've, I've dealt with fathers who know a little bit about coaching and then they come in with their kids and they want me to coach them. But then next thing you know, they're coaching them and I'm just sitting there like, dog, you <laughs> But you're not letting me coach your kid. <laughs> yeah. That happened so many times where I'm like, yo, like, what do I do in this situation? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now you don't want to get in the middle of it. <laughs> I don't want to get in the middle because that's your kid. But you did you did come to me for training. Like, let me be a coach. It, it makes you it makes a coach say, I don't know what to do. Um so now at this stage of my career, you know what I'm saying? A, a father has to let me do my job, or I'm just not interested. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. What, yo, when Tevin Farmer going to fight again? What's, what's up with you and Tevin? Tevin's my guy. Uh, right now, Tevin's dealing with this, um, you know, this whole uh, Jojo Diaz thing. Um, okay. And uh, Jojo Diaz is is apparently trying to pull out of the fight. And, you know, he has a mandatory rematch with Tevin Farmer. And he doesn't, mm. it, it seems like he doesn't want to honor 
his uh, uh his mandatory, but um, yo, Tevin didn't have to fight JoJo Diaz. That's the crazy thing that people don't realize. Te JoJo wasn't a mandatory. Tevin did that because Tevin wanted to give people the best fights. You know yeah. what I mean? He fought six, I believe, five times or six times he defended his title, and he wanted to step up and he wanted to show people that I can fight guys like Jojo Diaz. There was some things that went wrong in that fight. Obviously, Tevin didn't come out on top. I'm not going to tell the story. I'll let Tevin tell it when he's ready. But at the end of the day, Tevin wants a rematch. Basically, he basically morally, he wants that get back. Morally. Yeah, and it was on paper, right? If, if, like right okay. now, if, I, if me and you make an agreement, like, yo, bro, after this interview, we're going to do another interview. You know what I'm saying? As long as you give me this interview, you're going to get a second one. And then when I go for my second interview, now it's a big problem. It's like, it's like, it's the same thing. Like you guys agree to this and it's written on paper. And yeah. now the, the, now, now they don't want to honor it. And I really don't understand that when Tevin wants the rematch, you know what I'm saying? Like I can understand that Tevin said, yo man, I don't want the rematch. He wants the rematch. Jojo got no say in this. Jojo got to fight him. Now, yeah. if he does fight him, then, you know, then they got to go forward with the legal proceedings that they're, they're, they're already talking about going forward with. So it's a lot going on right now, man. Hopefully, mm -hmm. Tevin can get that squared away because I know this is something on his back that he wants to, you know what I mean, get off his shoulders. You know, he wants that rematch. Win, but let the best man win. You feel what I'm saying? Nobody's yep. saying you're going to go in there and, and knock him out in the rematch. Or He was saying, yo, give me my rematch. That's all I'm saying. Give me the rematch. You win again, you won two times, I go about my business. But if I win, I want my title back. You feel me? And that's it. You know what I mean? That's that's the way boxing should be. That's the way that boxing should be. What yeah. are you on? Uh, um, so what, what you feel about you in the beginning, you were saying about, you know, people noticed you when you was doing the pad work around the, around the community and around the neighborhood. What do you feel about teachers and just, just tra trainers, teachers or trainers that just do the, the, pad working it seems like there's less teachers than actual what do you feel about the landscape of of, of trainers and, 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 and boxing trainers in the sport of boxing right now is there a lot of teachers or it's just it's becoming like dinosaur like you know that's a hard one uh because if you let the old timers tell it they'll say there's no more teachers you know what i'm saying <laughs> you let the old timers tell it but i will say when i go to some of these amateur tournaments like i was you know i got a kid who's 14 years old named gabriel crespo uh, if he sticks with boxing, he'll be a world champion 100%. And he's a fantastic fighter. He won the Nationals. When we went ahead to the Nationals, I saw a lot of kids that could fight, like really could fight. And I'm not just saying rumble. I mean, they had IQ. So somebody's <laughs> teaching. Somebody's teaching. These kids ain't yeah. just waking up with these, with these skills. Somebody's teaching. But I will say with the pad work, what happened was the 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 the, the fancy mint work that I've done for many years, um, and I tell people what I do it for. Like I'm I'm real honest about it. Somebody say, "Yo, what's up with that mint work?" I'd be like, "Bro, it looks good. It gets attention. You know what I'm saying? And it's fun. And we do it when we want to do it. But that's not what we do. You think what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not what we do. We 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 do it for fun. We do it just to run the numbers. Uh, we sometimes we do it just to get cardio out of it. Um, but when it's time to teach, when it's time to learn, when it's time to focus on what needs to be focused on, that's what we focus on. So a lot of times when I'm working with my amateurs to get ready for an amateur fight, I don't even do that mint work at all. That mint work gets no, no, no mint work. None of that mint work gets put into play. 
what ends up yeah. we end up doing that when we want to just do like a little video like 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 one of my kids will be like yo man let's do something for instagram I'm like, all right bet. you know what i'm saying but it's not like yo this mint work is going to make you a boxer so then what ends up happening you got a lot of guys who just fall in love with that mint work who never boxed before they start teaching it and then they start marketing themselves as real teachers and it's like my man you're not a real teacher you're just a, a boxing coach fitness coach you see what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, mm. I don't have a problem with the boxing fitness community. I don't got a problem with the YouTubers who want to box. I don't got a problem with nothing. Anything that's going to bring attention to the sport, I'm 100% with. Just know your lane. KSI Logan Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I don't got a problem with KSI Logan Paul. A lot of people don't like it. Look, I don't care because guess what? All them people who never watched boxing before, now they watching boxing. You know, okay. they were trained with boxing. Now they might actually be fans of the sport. And it might breed a new boxer. One of those fans might be a hidden talent that we don't know about. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden he picks up boxing because of Logan Paul and you got yourself a bad boy. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. It's just that when people get the two confused, that's when the issues come up. Like, yo, man, that's cool. Do your thing, but don't get it twisted. Respect your elders type of a mentality. Like, know who's really doing this and who's not. And I just think that that's why I started my YouTube channel, yeah. Uh, Coach Anthony Boxing, for those who don't know, for, for people to see that I'm a teacher. I'm not a, a mitt guy. I'm a teacher. And I just felt like uh, that right there was uh, necessary for me because a lot of people follow me on the internet need to know that there's a difference. You know what I mean? Nah, I, I, yo, no, when, when people talk about trainers and people like your channel, people like the, the YouTube channel, they be like, Coach Anthony, the teacher. The right. one that be teaching that, the one that be teaching that, because when you're doing everything, you're, you're, you're explaining everything, you do a great job, yo, and I see a lot of um, channels, you you teach you, you're very detailed, and when you're, when, when you're telling a person why this punch should be thrown, why you should cover up, what should be the next one, what should be the counter to this, um, pivoting, you you very very detailed, and, and and you break it down very concisely. That uh, my son, that's thirteen, but he's seen your stuff since he was what like twelve or eleven. Is you could get through a child and an adult, and it's like it's, it's concisively. I like I love the way you teach, bro. I love I the way that you teach. I appreciate it, man. And I, you know, for me, it's like I and the reason why I'm able to do that, I believe, is because. I had to teach so many people who don't know how to box. You know, mm-hmm. it's real easy to get a guy, you know, it's real easy to teach a guy how to box, you know, who has natural ability, who already knows how to box. Let me see you take a person who's uncoordinated. Let me see you take a person from the suburbs who doesn't have an ounce of fighting in them. And let me see you take a person who has no rhythm and teach those type of people how to do it. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years, you know, training people, training people who you would never expect to do it. And then the next thing you know, they're doing it. So that's where I really learned, like I got to explain everything. I can't just explain, uh, yo, slip over and rip that shot. I gotta say, when you slip over, you drop this shoulder here. And then when you drop this shoulder here, you wanna rip it right, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. if I demonstrate it, they might try to do it and it looks stupid when they do it. But if I explain the shoulder goes here, the shot comes here, you gotta look out for that shot, so now we gotta go here, stuff like that. Um, and that's that's how I try to break it down. What's the amateurs out there you working right now that's that's close to going pro or, you know, 
probably hitting the Olympics circuit. Who you working out right now? The youngins. Um, well, I got a girl, Natalie Dove, who's ranked number two in the country. She was ranked number one for a very long time. She just turned 18, so now she's an elite. So she's an elite ranked number two in the United States of America at 112 pounds. Um, and then I got, in, like I, I mentioned, the kid, Gabriel Crespo. He's only 14, though. He's very young. Uh, but everybody in this Philadelphia region knows who he is. He's been beating kids with 50, 60 amateur fights before he had 10 fights. He's just a natural, and he's a real, real good boxer. Um, so he's four years away, though, before we can even consider anything like that. You know what I mean? But, you know, he's another one. I got another kid named uh, Marshall who has 40-some fights. He's pretty good. And then I have um, – I work with a kid, but right now he's doing all the traveling. His name is Jamar Talley, and he's a Olympic alternate. Actually, I felt that he won uh, in December, but they, you know, he ended up getting the alternate position, and he's doing all the traveling with them right now. He's at 201 pounds, a heavyweight elite male. So um, okay, that's okay. who I've, I've been working with or worked with uh, as of recent. And but right now I'm not really doing too much because of this whole COVID situation. Oh, so I feel you. They're just staying in shape and. And you know, working out on their own, and I'm showing up here and there. But we're not in the in the in the trenches grinding the way we was grinding before, unfortunately. Yeah, man, it's very unfortunate this time. We got everybody going crazy. Who's your Mr. Miyagi's? Mr. Miyagi, the guys that you work under. Um, you know, Mr. What? Miyagi's of the game. You know, I'm gonna be honest, <laughs> man. I I don't really have too many Mr. Miyagi's, but I have people who I've asked for advice and tips throughout the years like there's a there's a guy he's not very probably well known on the internet but he is he was a professional fighter he was a world-ranked fighter his name is dangerous dave luter out of florida he's a fantastic teacher there's one of those guys that's a really good teacher who uh people probably don't know who the hell he is but you know what i mean unless you're in that florida area but he was a fantastic mm -hmm. teacher i learned so much from him i got guys who i you know, talk to him in Philadelphia regularly, like uh, Billy Briscoe, who trains who trained uh, Gabriel Rosado. Um, but he's another boxing encyclopedia, and me and him have conversations on a regular basis, and we break down techniques to each other. But I've also had the you know the pleasure of working next to you know Jeff Mayweather. You know what I'm saying? Who's obviously a uh, 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 a Mayweather, you know what I mean? I wouldn't call Jeff a Mr. Miyagi because we don't, you know, <laughs> we just kind of work with each other. He never, we never, I never really sat there and watched him and learned, but I had the opportunity to be shoulder and shoulder with him, and that's just an honor to me. Um, you know, and then you got guys like uh, the local guys out here in the Philadelphia area who I work with, like Rasheen Jefferson, who has a bunch of kids coming up, and he's a good trainer, and you know, uh, Chino Rivas, who has a lot of guys here in, in the in the South Jersey area who Trevin, Tevin Farmer was his head trainer for many years. So, you know, I've been around a lot of guys who had a lot of good quality. And I just sat there and learned. And when I was working with guys like Hank Lundy and then uh, Eric Hunter, a lot of the old school Philadelphia guys. And so, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the type of guy that's take a little bit from everybody. Anything that I yeah. saw that I liked from any trainer from when I was an amateur to right now on the professional level, um, that I just take it all, man. I just soak it all up. And, but That's I can't tough. say there's one guy. I can't say there's one guy who I'm just like looking at him like, man, he's got all the answers because, you know, I'm a, li a little bit of everybody just made just a little bit of everybody. And I, and I always try to say like, let's say, and no disrespect to anybody I'm learning from, but if I'm learning, 
And a lot of times when I'm learning, they're not teaching me. I'm just sitting back watching. You see what I'm saying? That's how I learn. It's not like I'm like, yo, man, I'm just watching and I try to make it better. I'm always trying to make what they're doing better. So if I see, let's just say I see Freddie Roach doing a move, right, from on a YouTube video. I'm watching and saying, that's good. How can I add to that? How can I yeah. make that better? What is he forgetting? What is he doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't just take his stuff as gospel. I just take what I like and, and try to make it mine. You know what I mean? That's what's up. Yeah, man. I, I figured that because, of course, PU from the Philly area, people going to be like, what's your style? Is it the shoulder roll style? Is it the Philly shell? What is it? Um, but the way that you be teaching, you teach everything. So for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask that question really, because I, I, you might be what Jersey, Philly area, New York, and I just when I when I see you teach, I don't see you. I see you teaching everything. So I mean, people will want to ask, is that your style? But I, I just see you that you have a, a lot of styles and stuff in your in, in your in your game. But somebody want to say what's up to you, man. Somebody will say what's up to you. Yeah. What's up, my man? man? My what's man. up, my guy? How you doing, brother? I'm just out here, you know, willing and dealing. You know what I mean? How you doing? Oh, uh, man, listen, I'm, I'm calling to give you your roses and tell you that, you know, uh, you're doing a great job. Some some people in life are, are meant to play, were born to play, and then there are some born teachers, brother, and you're definitely one of them. Um, I've been fortunate to to sit down with a lot of a lot of great big-name big name coaches, that were former fighters, brother, and everything that, they, that, that I've heard, to go to your channel at times to hear it, and not only just to hear it said, but to be, for it to be explained the way that you explained, brother, you were just born to do this. And I just want to just tell you how great a job you're doing, and I'm, I'm watching, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm one God. of them guys, just like, not, not just Freddie Roach, not just, you know, uh, uh, Mayweather Sr., but I'm looking at you too, brother. You know yeah, I mean? man. So, a big compliment. Yeah. I know you've been around the block, baby. That's a that's a huge compliment, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to say that to me, man. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had I had to, brother, because you know anything else would be creepy, right? If you watching right. all your videos and watching the <laughs> shit you on here, <laughs> and can't come on here and give you your roses. So, Coach Anthony, please keep doing what you're doing, brother. And you know you got my number and everything. If you whenever you're out in Vegas, you know look us up, brother. Okay. You already know, man. More success to you guys, man. Keep pushing. Y'all okay. going to be undisputed one day. Undisputed. <laughs> I appreciate you. Mr. Yes. Moonshine himself. <laughs> hey, Little hey, salute. Guys, thank, thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate right, you. Thanks. Take care. That's amazing, man. I appreciate you doing that, man. That's dope. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. They look at you, Coach Ed, man. It's yeah, true, right, right, especially right. in boxing, which is a lonely sport. It's probably a lonely sport also for trainers, too. You know, y'all don't get y'all y'all don't get the credit. Y'all the first one that get booted out. You're the last one to get the credit. The fighters doing it. Change the trainer. That's the first thing. Change the trainer. Deontay Wilder losing. Change the trainer. Uh, anybody? That's 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 whack though. That's whack. Um, right. You want to say anything? Um, where, where people should look you up? I already know. I said Coach Anthony IG. Um, um, the YouTube channel is awesome. Anybody, man, you could learn a lot of things from that YouTube channel for real. I, I even, I even, I get my pad where I'd be like, honey, let me, let me see what Coach Ann said. I <laughs> sometimes I'd be like, yo, look at videos, man. I don't know it all. Just look at, go, go right, to man. Coach Ann and look at his video. Know, but yo, even in the BX, even in the BX, yo, and they'd be like, yo, doing the box and stuff. Like, yo, you, 
Coach Ant, yo, I know, I know him. I, I, I went, I went out with that dude before. My yeah. cousin was like, "Oh, go look him up." I'm like, "Hi." Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I got a lot of people in the Bronx, man, that I, that I bang with, man. You know, it's like my favorite borough, man. But um, um, yeah, man, you can find me on uh Coach Anthony Boxing. Uh, you know, that's why I sell the digital premium downloads. That's why I'm teaching everything from the footwork to the Philly shell. I just dropped a new one called Defensive Principles 101, where it's, it's really not about anything, but every, it's everything. You know what I mean? Uh, so I got a bunch of different things on my website, counterpunching angles, the whole nine. Of course, you got my Coach Anthony Boxing uh, YouTube channel, where if you don't want to go to my website and buy anything, I got so much free information on there that, you know what I mean, there's no excuse from why you can't learn or at least get in my brain because I'm constantly teaching, literally drop something today. And uh, my Instagram, Coach Anthony, and everything is basically Coach Anthony, man. You know, I try to keep everything. So what's, what's the website again? What's the website? Uh, CoachAnthonyBoxing.com. Uh CoachAnthonyBoxing.com. So you can go on there if you want to purchase something. That's where I get a little more in depth, right? So like on my YouTube channels, I usually teach, you know what I'm saying, a little five, six-minute clip. But these are, you know, hour-long courses that really focus on one particular topic. So it's really excellent for the beginner or somebody who wants to just learn one thing. And, you know, touching on that Philly Shell thing that you said, um, I had a lot of – for a lot of years, a lot of people uh, basically have – put me in a box of, oh, that's the guy for the Philly show. And I, you know, I'm honored for that because the Philly show is a fantastic defensive tool, but for me is a tool. So yeah. for the people who want to learn the Philly show, you have to also be aware that you're not going to never fall in love with one thing in boxing. If I got to go ahead and give you a tip, don't fall in love with the Philly show. Don't go ahead and say, oh yeah, I'm the Philly show guy. This is all I do. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Bring that hand up because you might be here and them shots might be hitting you on the top of your head. So what are you going to do? Say, well, I fight out the Philly show. I'm not going to bring my hand up. Like, bring it up. You know what I'm saying? If you ain't bobbing under them shots okay, or, or dropping down. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't, if you feel like you're an aggressive fighter and you're being aggressive, but as you're being aggressive, you're getting punched in the oil in your face. Maybe you might not want to be so aggressive. Maybe you want might want to take your time. If you're, if you're boxing and you're running and you're getting tired, maybe you might want to settle down. So my thing is every fight's different. So learn everything that you could possibly learn and use the tools that you need to use when you need to use them. Don't sit there and, and, and stick to one thing because you want to identify yourself as a certain kind of fighter. Boxing is boxing. You learn it all. You pull the tools out when you need the tools. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you a, one myth about the Philly show. And you could you could answer that. Um, the Philly show does not work good against South Pole fighters. Um, I disagree. It's just things are backwards. Things are backwards. All right. So look, I'm gonna give you something right now. So if I'm in the Philly show, right? Uh huh. When you throw your straight right hand, I shoulder roll it. Uh huh. Right. What the shoulder yeah. roll for? Now, if you're a South Pole, go South Pole. Go ahead. Throw your right hook. I shoulder roll it. See what I'm saying? If you throw straight left hand, I might bend my waist right under it and get under your left hand. And then I might pivot and and slide out to the right. So the technique can work. The principles are just a little different. It's the same hands, different punches. I'm still looking out for the right hand with the shoulder roll, but now it's coming around the side as opposed to straight down the pipe. Got you. Instead of blocking my your straight left hand, 
I might just bend my waist under it. The yeah. same way I would bend the waist if you stepped in with a double jab and I dropped down or if you threw a wide left hook and I seen it and I dropped down. Now when you throw the straight left from the southpaw, I dropped down and I pivot right. So oh, that, oh, that could be a nice counter with the suit, the other nice counter uppercut to the solar plex. Yeah, right? you can do that. Hey, I could touch you down there, or I can even sidestep to the right, throw the cross. Just like they say, you got to keep your foot on the outside and only circle left when you're boxing the opposite. If I'm boxing a southpaw, I want to keep my foot on the outside and I want to go to the left. Or a southpaw wants to keep their right foot on the outside and go to their right. That's hmm. true if you're working that part of the fight. But I can still circle the other way and set up traps the other way as well. But the problem is people identify themselves with one thing. The key is don't get caught in the middle. Don't yeah. get caught in the middle. So it, whether that's going under shots, catching shots, whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah, because we, we, we was breaking down the fight, um, Lumachenko, Lumachenko and Teofimo Lopez. That's going to be a good fight, you know, uh, um, Southpaw. And we was talking about, um, they was bringing up the left hook. And then I said... You know, it's kind of it's kind of throw throw that left hook on the Philly shell, but I'm like I don't I'm not, I'm not sure how he's going to throw them left hook with that Philly shell that Teofimo Lopez uses. What do you think about what do you think about the fight and what do you think about what I just said about left hooks off the Philly shell? Um. Well, first let's talk about the fight. I think that the fight is interesting to say the least. I actually know a kid that's out there sparring with a uh, Teofimo Lopez right now by the name of. Oh. Ray by the name of Raymond Ford. He's out there. He's here from the Camden area. Big shout out to Raymond. But um He's the I, young kid. He got a mole. He got a mole. Uh you know, I don't know if he got a mole, but he's young though. He's, he's a young okay. kid here from Camden, New Jersey. Um he's undefeated and he's out there sparring. Um he's out there with um he's out there with Teofimo. But um anyway, make a long story short, Teofimo brings a lot of like people asked me this question before and I and I told people and and I did an interview before and I said, look, if I had to bet the house, I'm betting with Lomo. And the only reason I say that, not to disrespect Teofimo Lopez, but it's because we got a guy who's battle-tested right now against a guy who we don't know yet. I know he could punch. I know he got a lot of beautiful tools. He does some nice stuff. I've seen his, his highlights. I've seen him fight once, but I've seen his highlights. He does good stuff, good tools. He seems like he's the bigger guy. He has advantages, but I haven't seen him do what Lomo's done yet. So until I see that, I can't pick him. Now, um, does he is he a threat? 100%. Absolutely a big threat. And, and Lomachenko does need to take him serious. Now, as far as the left hook on a guy like Lomachenko, can you bring back what you were saying? So I was saying the, the we was talking about the Philly shell. We was talking about that Teofimo Lopez left hook is could be his weapon. I was saying really that his that his uppercut or the right hand might be his, his better his better you know the money punch for for against Lo, Loma and another person set the left hook and I'm like uh, to throw that left hook off the Philly shell off Loma it might it might be kind of you know because he he does the he does the Philly shell a lot um um Teofimo. Teofimo. So I was saying, how do you throw the, the left hook off the Philly shell to a guy like Loma? Oh, he's just going to have to shoot the shot when he feels it. It's not really that difficult. You can shoot the Philly shell from your waistline. So if you're, if you're standing like this, if I'm standing like this, it's really not a big deal for me to bring that hand out and throw the hook like that. It's really not a big deal. All I got to do is wind it around. 
So him throwing the left hook is not going to be a big issue. I mean, and he might readjust his hands just to throw it. So even though he fights like this when the punches is coming at him, which I don't know if Tiafoe does. I haven't watched enough of him, but I know I've seen some of his stuff. But he got a nice catch and shoot. He got a nice catch and shoot. He's fighting like this, you know, shoulder rolls and bringing shots underneath. But then, with the, see, this is what it is. A lot of the times, you got to make these adjustments and disguise your moves. So if I'm, if I'm fighting like this, I might, for a split second, go here. Now, my hand is here for a split second. You don't realize that my hand is up now. Boom, I shoot the hook real quick. And then when the shots come back, I can just go to a shoulder. You see how that happens? So I'm here, all of a sudden a shot come, boom, boom, yeah. boom. But then when I decide that I want to go ahead and shoot the hook, I just uh -huh. bring it underneath or whatever. So it's not, you know, I'm pretty sure Teofimo ain't fighting like this the whole time. I'm yeah, yeah, sure. nah, 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 nah. I'm pretty sure he's moving his hands a little bit. And when he readjusts his hands, that's where you don't, the naked eye doesn't see what he's trying to do. And that's part of setting up a trap. That's part of disguising you know, a lot of times you're disguising the footwork with the head movement. A lot of times you're disguising the, the head movement with the hands. And you're doing different things to get closer into range. And then when you feel the shot, bang, you just let it go. So, you know, it's I'm pretty sure a guy like Teofimo Lopez is going to feel it. He might, be have, he might have his hand out like this because he's fighting the opposite stance. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have a battle of the lead hands. And then from right there, he just shoots the hook. And I think he's a little bit taller, right? Just a yeah, just a little bit. He ain't that big. I mean, he's heavier, but I, but he's not that that big of uh probably like one one and a half and inch. That in a left hook on Lomachenko because Lomachenko to me doesn't seem like such a defensive wizard. He's more of yeah. a he's more of a guy that can turn you real good. You know, he's more of a guy that hits you with a head faint and move this way. But yeah. he's not really a guy that I see that when the punches come back at him, him dipping under and shooting and catching. I don't see him doing those things as much as, you know, him being the offensive guy. So, yeah, yeah. I so agree 100% with you. Yeah, so since he's more offensive and everything for him is angles and footwork and head movement, when the punches come back, I'm real interested to see what happens when the punches come back. Yeah, man. But, yo, what else you want to talk? Whatever you want to see. So the, the website, YouTube. yeah. I'm just, no. I'm, just mad, I'm just mad that I didn't bring the ring light in here. I feel like I was dark the whole time because every time I'm looking at shit, I'm like, yo, that thing look clear as hell. <laughs> you know, you're a little mad hey, about don't worry about it. Hey, you, you're welcome anytime, man. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I had a lot of fun, man. We could do this again anytime. We could talk about boxing techniques. We could talk about anything. Anything, anything, my brother. Yo, good looking now, man. It was an honor speaking to you, man. Thank you very much. Yep. Yo, and more power to you. Hope business gets up on a up and up again. You know, you, you, you're going to be where you did this. If it's if it, if it is a setback, the guys going to give you double time. Get, get back going to be get better, man. And um, I want to thank everybody for whoever loves and supports what I'm doing, man. I really appreciate that genuinely, man. Anybody who's ever even just dropped a comment on my Instagram in a positive way. I appreciate it all, man. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't go unnoticed. And I'm going to just keep on doing what I'm doing, man. And hopefully I provide value to the boxing community, man. My goal is just for the boxing community that I can provide as much value as possible. I'm with you, my brother. Yo, God bless, man. You too, my brother. You too. Thanks, man. All right, man. Peace out.